0: Hello Jets fans and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz, one of your regular hosts and I am so excited to be here covering the fifth win in a row for your Winnipeg Jets and I'm super excited to be joined by the one and only Murat Atesh. If you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you know him. If you're a hockey fan, you probably know him because of how good he is and how involved he is in the Jets community and one of my favorite writers to read from. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Murat. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing quite well. That is an incredibly warm introduction list. So thank you. And thank you for having me.
0: Of course, it's always a pleasure to get you on the show uh, to to talk some hockey. You know, over the course of the season, we cover 82 games. So sometimes, you know, you try and throw some guests in there. Jets fan guests, out-of-market guests. Sometimes you solo stream and you just shoot the shit for 30 minutes and hope for the best. Um, So it's always great to have someone come in who has such a, you know, a deep perspective on the Winnipeg Jets, how they are right now, knows their inner workings really well. Uh, And I feel like now's a great time to have you on because things appear to be going pretty well for the Winnipeg Jets right now. And let's talk about it. So... First things first, 3-nothing win. First shutout of the season for Connor Hellebuck. What did you think of his game tonight, Murat?
1: I mean, wow, is it really all... That's a that's a wild Connor Hellebuck stat. Um realistically, he's been heating up for a minute and you know, you can even go back to the Tampa Bay game uh, just before this one where Winnipeg gets out to a 2-nothing lead. But it's because he went post to post so well and made the absolute robbery. It's because he stopped a breakaway. It was able to get Winnipeg into a good spot. And then I just thought that today was more of the same, except without the absolutely horrendous giveaways and things like that. It was a good defensive team game by the Jets. And you had Hellebuck looking big and boring and all those things that you like from him. Um, that postgame interview was was delight as well. I saw him call Nikolai Ehlers goal filth. And it's just that's the Connor Hallibuck that everybody has been waiting for. And I think anybody sensible knew that Connor Hallebuck was arriving sooner than later.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, that's always the thing uh, when it comes to, you know, oh, early season shooting percentages. And if your team's shooting at 20%, you're like, oh, that's going to regress. That's going to chill out a little bit. The season started, we were rocking the, what is it, like an 8.50 save percentage for the team. And everyone's like, don't worry, guys, that's going to chill out. And now it's chilling out. And the Winnipeg Jets are winning games, but it's not all because of him. Uh, Who, Murat, did you think had a really fantastic game tonight? Let's dive right into that.
1: Yeah, for me, I... I find myself, this guy isn't an underrated player. He's not the sort of person that, that people ignore. But I honestly don't think Mark Shifley is getting enough praise so far this season. Um, from the analytics crowd, there's a little bit of a, hey, you know what? He, Connor and whoever they're playing with don't always win the shot share. So he must not be having an impactful season. Um, from the highlight reel crowd, I think a lot of people are drawn to Kyle Connor's finishing and the amount of goals that he's scored there are so many moments tonight where Mark Shifley was defending like to the goal line below the goal line where he was the first player to clear a puck from danger. And that's something that's been, uh, that's been a calling card of his for a little while. Um, I think that, Valardi probably makes sense to go back onto that line when he gets going as well. I'm not married to Connor and Shifley, even though there's a tremendous amount of offense there. I just think that Shifley's getting lost somehow, which seems impossible to me. And I wanted to talk about him right off, off the hop. Um, beyond that, I mean, Dylan Sandberg continues to to be a defensive master class. That's delightful. There's a there's a two on one he was defending with Nate Schmidt, where I think Nate Schmidt got caught out of position or just got beat on. On a play. Um, Samberg gets back into the lane, defends the two-on-one and then um, I think ends up in sh- I, I'm, I'm losing the description of this I need a clip but the funny thing for me about this situation was that Sandberg ended up taking, Nate sh- taking his own guy out of the play and then a puck moved to what Schmidt's guy was and Sandberg was there too and I was like this guy is two defensemen at the same time and I, I, if I can find this clip I'll send it to you because it was a pure delight for me so there's another one I'd want to talk about.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think just carrying right on that on that Dylan Sandberg conversation, I there were a couple moments where he had a couple of real nice, you know, bombs from the point, whatever, and little things like that that always make you excited about him. But holy smokes, is he ever steady back there? And I think that was a good example of that, where maybe, maybe steady is not the right word because things were kind of going on a little bit chaotic. I'm sort of remembering the play that you're talking about. Um, but he's such a good stable piece for them out there. And I think um, I, I saw... A thing the other day that really surprised me actually and and I'm not trying to throw any shade at him and Nate Schmidt but I believe according to whatever model money puck follows they are leading the NHL right now in what is it like they have the least expected goals against for all five on five pairings that have played over like however many minutes is that did you see that too
1: I did see that that's you I think you're quoting it exactly right um that's that pairing with Schmidt and Sandberg has given up the fewest expected goals per minute of defense pairings above a certain minutes threshold and I think that that's exactly it and for for me that's two things happening one is something I've been yelling to anybody who will listen and I feel like not enough people listen to this is that the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff and this goes back multiple Jets coaching staffs are having a lot of success sheltering their third pair. The second pair and the first pair, they get heavy minutes. Maybe Morrissey DeMello plays against the toughest offensive uh, combo for an extra minute or something like that. But everybody's job is is quite difficult. They're playing top six, top nine opposition. Winnipeg has had some legendary examples of sheltering their third pair over the years. Logan Stanley's rookie season, for example. Uh, Tucker Pullman once upon a time, for example. And people tend to get carried away they think these guys are um surefire top four stalwarts without looking at what minutes they're getting this time around you have that same type of treatment it's not quite as egregious the sheltering as as those guys got who i just named dropped but they are getting protected behind those top two pairings and at the same time dylan sandberg is put on a defensive master class and for all of his awards nate schmidt might not be a 5.95 million dollar defenseman but he gives you positive value it's chaos he does get beat there are mistakes but um but he's able to to handle those minutes and deliver value for them um so no don't interpret you're not i know you're not you're you're so sharp but like don't look at that chart and think oh god they're the best um in the league. Or the chart is broken if they're at the top. You just sort of got to zoom in and understand that in some specific instances, you can shelter players and you're doing it for guys that, that can get results. And Dylan Sandberg deserves more love. So that's my my take on that stat.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. And that was my, my immediate thought when I saw that. And I almost wanted, I was like, what's the QOC looking like? Because I feel like that's a, a crazy thing. But at the same time, I think it really also speaks to The kind of season we're seeing so far from the other four defenders where they're actually able to continue with that sheltering piece and continue to win as many hockey games as they've had. What is it? Eight in their last nine that they've won. And if you're able to get those positive results in that third pairing, you're not playing against bad hockey teams. They're getting some really strong opposition. And I feel like in particular, that second pairing that a lot of us have had not necessarily question marks around, but they've received a little bit of criticism, particularly um, Neil Pionk and Brendan Dillon over the last couple seasons and whatnot. They've been quite fabulous this year, and and uh, tonight was no exception either. Uh, I particularly want to uh, commend the Brendan Dillon fight. That was, uh and I, you know, I'll sit here and I'll, I'll bite my tongue a little bit because I'm one of those people that's not always the most pro fighting in hockey. Sometimes I'm like, all right, this is getting a bit ridiculous. We don't need to bust each other's brains up and give each other CTE just for for this. But he kind of destroyed Sam Reinhardt. In that one didn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean yeah he did didn't he and I I'm, I'm kind of like you like my official policy is unnecessary brain injuries are like you know it's weird that hockey stops hockey for that to happen and my you know less official position is I can't stop watching when something like that happens and um and I also obviously like I do understand the emotional fired up aspect of it with you know as long as Fighting is something that exists within hockey. I want my team to be willing to do it, and if they're willing to do it, I'd want the team that I I followed to to have that Brendan Dillon-esque result tonight for sure. Um, the offensive pop has been f- there for him too, right? Like he's been rushing, he's been jumping, and then Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk, I I was afraid. I was afraid. I spent so much time last year saying wait for him to move better, wait for him to move better. And, you know, we had two full seasons of data saying that his results were poor and his, uh, his on ice chance numbers, especially relative to, to um, Winnipeg's other defensemen were not good. Visually, you saw him get beat and struggle. And now he's stepping up in the neutral zone and he's picking off passes. He's protecting his blue line aggressively. He's moving well. He's moving the puck. Well, you saw a nice vision Um, uh. From the point to the flank. He's he's finding wingers to to attack with as well. And it's nice to believe this isn't a this isn't Josh Morrissey goes supernova after his two down years. It's Neil Pionk becomes Neil Pionk again, which helps that second pairing. And with Dylan going like that too, then you're exactly right. The fact that Winnipeg's top four is having success means that you can shelter a third.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think uh, you pointed to something that uh, I feel like is kind of a good segue into a big chunk of what I wanted to talk about tonight, which is just kind of why the Winnipeg Jets are are you know doing as well as they are. And I think you pointed to to Brendan Dillon with some of that offensive flair and some of that speed. And I think that was the big thing that I saw tonight. And I'll kind of go on my my big preamble, and then I'll you know open the floor to you, but. I think. Get it. <laughs> pardon me, but Cheryl Pounder talked about it a little bit uh, in, in her first intermission segment. And it was just kind of the way the Winnipeg Jets, I, in my opinion, kind of saw their success tonight was how quickly they were jumping on pucks and dealing with them properly and not allowing Florida to set up as properly as they probably wanted to. There was one instance in particular that was a perfect example of it, which is the, the really fast Brendan Dillon coming up the left side thing that you were talking about, where, you know, Florida was trying to set up in their 1 1 3, and then they. Winnipeg Jets kinda of, they they keep the puck and that those top forwards aren't really able to to pick it up. So then they have to move that other guy. The center comes up a little bit and all of a sudden you only have two defenders back there, right? And then Brendan Dillon has a little bit more room, uh, coming up the side there, and now all of a sudden they have all this space and then that that's what comes from the former half of what I wanted to say, which was, you know, how well the Jets were managing the puck once they got possession tonight. But also the other side of that was sometimes they were a little bit quicker with the puck than I feel like we've seen in previous seasons where the minute they got the puck in their own zone, they weren't fooling around. And they were off to the races before Florida could set up into that defensive system that they wanted to. And I think to me, that's kind of the overarching thing that I attribute a lot of the Jets success to in the last little bit is how they've been able to just sort of pick up and either – a, jump on those opposing defenses before they're able to set up, or B, not allow the forechecking to you know pressure them as well as they'd like to and then sort of break up that system and then break up again as much as they kind of want. I kind of went on a little thing. That's what I've been kind of seeing, and I don't know if you would agree with that, disagree with that, or if that's kind of a, a theme that you saw in tonight's game at all.
1: Hard agree, Liz. Like, 100%, I think... We talk about speed or like they always talk about playing fast, playing fast. What does that mean? It's not wait for them to set up in a 1-1-3 or whatever system they're using at the moment and give it to Nikolai Ehlers and pray. Even though that worked, it, it you know, that does work sometimes. It's making those passes before the system gets set up. And so when you talk about that, I'm all in on it. I think Winnipeg, like every team in the NHL, learned its lesson last year or Uh, wanted to learn its lesson from a team like Vegas who destroyed the Jets by being so fast at turning defensive possession into offensive attack. And when a team can get that puck and its first pass covers distance or its second pass covers distance, and because they've collapsed so well and protected to the middle of the ice, because they have such trust and consistency in that first pass to be made, You have not just one Jets forward, but multiple Jets forwards often stretching aggressively, moving hard up the ice to get that pass. You have defensemen jumping as well, so there's a fourth option instead of just three. Sometimes there's a fifth option to try to handle as well. And if there's like one difference between the Jets this this year and last, there's many differences, but the speed with which they move the puck from defensive possession to offensive attack is it that is happening It is a goal the team has and i think they're having a tremendous amount of success with it even if they end up dumping the puck because they're a good cycle into office and uh, offense team as well but because they're coming up with speed then they're able to get on that puck and forecheck well and win it back too
0: 100 percent, and i think uh good cycle on the offense can we talk a little bit about David Gustafson tonight? I feel like he's a player that's been getting some love lately, like, and I think, you know, it's definitely warranted. And I think he's one of those players that I just, he and Cole Freddy, I love watching them play along the boards. I love watching them play along the boards. It's so fun. They're very different along the boards, but man, Gus is a tank. What did you think of him tonight?
1: I actually had this sort of internal monologue. I, um, uh, about him actually looking bus-like tonight, so it's funny you you call him a tank. I was seeing a bus, um, like there are moments, you
0: know, it's it's
1: <laughs> he just puts people on his back and goes right, and there he has these moments of a physical burst where people can't contain him, and you know it's been a minute since she since he launched one of those laser beams like he was doing early and in preseason, and you know all those passes from Cole Perfetti actually early on as well. Uh, but in terms of puck possession, winning a battle, advancing the puck to a good spot and kind of being unstoppable about it. I, I liked him for his bus work tonight, to be sure.
0: Yeah, I think I actually, I want to pull up, um, the ice time just out of curiosity, because I know obviously Axel janssen Fialby um, has played his first couple games uh, of the season now because Rasmus Kapari was hurt and, you know, there was some pretty, regular ice time splits over the last few games. What I mean by that, it was pretty consistent. Third line was not really a third line, getting lots of time. Um, But, you know, looking at tonight's ice time, um, you know, the fourth line was rocking at about 10 minutes, which I feel like is slightly above average for what we usually see from them. And, you know, the highest – well, Josh Morris ended up playing 24 minutes. So, holy smokes, they must have been loading him up in the second and third because he only played, like, less than six in the first sort of thing. But beyond that – we had a pretty even distribution of ice time across those forward lines. I guess, you know, Josh Morrissey's not a forward, but you get what I'm saying, kind of from (laughs) top to bottom. There was a lot of line rolling kind of going on tonight, and they all, I think, in turn looked really good. Um, Is there anyone else from that fourth line, either Axel Janssen or Morgan Barron, that did anything notable tonight that you'd want to talk about or if that line looked good to you beyond just our tank slash bus slash armored vehicle of any capacity friend? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm looking for the moments where they, where they turn that, that tankmanship into, into creativity or results at the other. It doesn't have to be creativity. It can be a Nino Niederreiter type goal like he scored tonight as well. Like I'm, I believe in that trio so much compared to past and recent editions of JS fourth lines that for me, I'm not really, oh, it's Saku Main and I don't expect him to score. That's not my attitude that I have about that line. So Um, as much as I'm delighted by the puck possession in that, I, I'm, I'm finding myself stopping short of saying, Hey, mission accomplished fourth line, because you didn't create offense all of the way. And that's, that's honestly unfair given the depth of Winnipeg's forwards to put it on them like that. But, uh, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm getting greedy. I'm waiting for them to produce in, in a, in a more tangible way.
0: And man, oh man, like can we just take a minute to think about how good that feels that that's what we're looking for it's not like <laughs> oh my gosh we need this team to win hockey games like we need everyone like it's they're they're good but can they be better because we know they have the untapped ability to like before like you said with the sacramento linens the kevin sendlins you were getting what you were getting with those guys it was the four goals on the year like that was a big you know kind of push from them but all of these players there's a little something something there and i think it's i i border more on the side of excited than frustrated when they're not quite producing yet because, you know, it's it's there and, and it, it's possible. And I think, you know, David Gustafson is a good example of, you know, man oh man what a tough break that guy's had the last couple years like I remember when he scored his goal what was it 10 games ago maybe the little thing popped up it was like first goal since 2019 and I was just oh this poor little guy like I I know he's (laughs) wanted to do so well for so long and then you know he was on the wing for a bit which wasn't really a fit for his style of play and just little things like that and now we're finally seeing him you know look the way we've wanted Dave Gustafson to look and I think there's more to come from both Morgan Barron and Raskovic Kapari. I know the injury part is unfortunate with Kapari, um, but Axel Johnson fialbi comes in, and I throw him into the Kevin Stenlund Sacramento line and category because you know what you're getting with that guy. He's a uh, he's a fun one to watch, but I'm not expecting him to you know have some crazy unleashed potential or anything like that. But I don't mind him. I- I- I'm an Axel Janssen-Fialbi fan.
1: Yeah, I mean. If you can get the puck into the offensive zone, four-check hard, make defensemen kind of a little bit concerned about the pressure that there's going to be on them, make that first pass a problem, tire some folks out, like that's still an effective thing. PK work is still worth celebrating when it happens and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and it's funny. I, I want to share, maybe it's just more in my head. I don't know if this will will translate as much. But there's a story that I've been working on where the first interview I had for it was January of this year. And I had a couple of interviews in January for it. Um, and then something happened, which I can't explain. Uh, had to put it on pause. And then I've been working on it for the last month. And I keep thinking it's ready. I keep thinking it's done. I thought this thing was going up two weeks ago and I was so friggin' excited. And my editors keep like, getting more ambitious about it. They want uh, they want it, not just Jets fans to see it. They want other people to see it as I'm trying to sneakily build hype. But also today I had an argument with one of them and I'm like, you're using the word though incorrectly based on my intention in this one thing. And uh, over there, there's this one comma I hate. And then my editor just started laughing at me. It's like, Murat, remember where this story began? Remember all of the work that we've done to get it here. And you're getting mad about a word and a punctuation mark. Like in terms of your problems, that's the fourth line, not scoring goals while also having possession of of things. So when you said like, what a good problem to have, I'm like, yes, exactly. That's a, it's a brilliant problem to have. It means everything else is going really well.
0: I get that there was a metaphor there, and I followed the metaphor. But now I'm just really excited about the story. Now I'm just <laughs> I'm so really excited sorry. about this story. No, no. I'm like, a year of Marat work on a story, like, this is going to be good i'm i'm very excited now so uh for those of you, be. if I'm it sure... isn't that,
1: oh no what have i been doing <laughs>
0: <laughs> for everyone that's here in the chat that's live right now first of all thank you so much for being here um having a wonderful time chatting here with marat and for those of you who don't know marat is from the athletic he is a reporter one of the best like i said early on in the show so when this alleged story comes out hopefully soon hopefully the commas resolve themselves Make sure you go to The Athletic and check it out. Whatever the story is. I can't tell you what it's going to be about because he probably won't tell us. But make sure you just read all of his stuff and then you won't miss it. Yes, um, please. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the forwards tonight. So maybe we'll start. We'll go goal by goal. We're going to start with the third line, talk a little bit about them, talk about the Niederreiter goal, and then we'll move into the second line and talk about that goal. Um, you know, Niederreiter, in the first intermission, he did his little interview. I love this guy. I love this guy. Like, I just think he is such an exciting player to watch, but not in this, like, just in his very own, very special way where it's like, this guy's just going to play good hockey 98% of the time, which is something that I feel like, maybe as a critical Jets fan, as I like to, you know, call myself, and many would agree. Over the last few years, there have been a a couple players where it's like, I'm not always watching 98% good hockey. Sometimes when you're playing 100%, you're one of the best in the league, but I don't always get to see that. Nino Niederreiter is like 98% of the time, We're watching fun, hard hockey, really excellent use of the body, and I find in very effective ways. And also effective use of the stick, which I think when those two things go hand-in-hand lead to being just a really good possession player. Some fun chemistry going on with his line mates. And that goal was just a ton of fun tonight. And it was a great way to open up the scoring. What did you think of that third line, Nino Niederreiter as a whole? Thoughts on them tonight.
1: I mean, if you're Brandon Montour, and you're trying to recover from being boxed out by Nino Niederreiter at the top of the crease... Like heaven help you, heaven help you. It's just one of those situations where, like you said, you can count on a certain level of effort from Nino Niederreiter all of the time, and ninety-eight percent is probably a fair number, almost all of the time, so close to all of the time. It's it's really incredible. I think that I've become a fan of the player as well because of what you what you said here. It was from the moment he arrived. Do you remember when he and Connor and Shifley got benched last year and Connor and Shifley sounded so down and frustrated about it and Niederreiter said, like, well, yeah, we need it to be better. It's like there was this sort of standard that he has where his motor is always going, um, and I think Winnipeg has sorely needed that. With him, I'm going to detour from the third line for a second, but with him, with Alex Iafalo, with Vladislav Nemesnikov, one credit to Kevin Shovelday off because these are three players he's acquired, but you have a player on, you've added a player to all three of your top three lines that just works, that just goes and gets pucks and tries to get them. And when he doesn't have it, he'll, he'll hustle back. And if he gets back, then he'll try to do the right thing. Winnipeg needed that. Winnipeg was a bit soft skill for a minute there. Was it not? And I think that that like, that's a good sign for him. That line. I mean, since his arrival, Appleton, Lowry, and Niederreiter have trucked teams in in possession stats, scoring chances, shots, goals, all of it, from the trade deadline right to right to playoffs. And I know injuries happen and things mix those lines up a bit. It was actually kind of it was I, I laughed inwardly. I almost called it cute. I don't know if it's the right word, but Mason Appleton sounded wistful um when I was talking to him a couple weeks ago he was like I just wish we could have stayed together as a line because we really felt like there was more we could have done to help us against Vegas and it just sort of sounded like like he had he'd reached a belief level and he like he felt like he had unfinished business and he expressed it in a wistful and almost sad way and I thought it was kind of funny um but to see them go right back at it I honestly don't know why the Jets messed with any idea other than that. I think, wasn't it Ayafalo who was on that line to start the season? Um, Niederreiter belongs there. That is like that is the trio of all four lines Winnipeg has right now, the the most untouchable that you have. Um, and I guess just to close my monologue on that, I've been arguing kind of hopelessly that if you give Adam Lowry line mates, he can still be Adam Lowry. And I, I like to see that one come home to roost a little bit.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think... That that overtime goal last game, the empty net goal tonight. Like you just you love to see him do well, and I feel like lately it's just been constant doing well. And and I'm I'm not saying anything novel here. Everyone knows that this line has been has been excellent. And I think you're right that Nino Niederreiter is kind of the the secret sauce on that line, just because I feel like he's kind of the secret sauce on any line. Like I, I liked. The versatility he added to some of the other lines he played with, with just that that net front presence. And I know that sounds like such a buzzword, but it's a legitimate thing with this hockey team that plays some, you know, perimeter shots and stuff like that. It's, it's nice to have someone down in front, but now you have Nemesikov and follow, like you said, on those other lines where they're they're kind of filling that similar void. So it, it doesn't really become unique to the player at that point. But all that's to say, I think Nino Niederreiter is just an excellent third piece to kind of elevate that line. And similarly to what we were talking about earlier, with the whole idea of that Schmidt and Sandberg pairing getting, you know, part of the reason that they're able to be sheltered and succeed is because the other parents have been succeeding, that this added offensive flair of this third line is so interesting to me because you can kind of throw them out there in a couple different circumstances, right, where you can still put them out there and just shut down a top line if you have to and try and let, you know, one of your top two lines score against the other team's, you know, maybe not so dominant lines or anything like that. But lately, I and I, I'm admittedly not the best when it comes to line matching and paying attention to who's always playing against who. But I feel like they haven't necessarily been getting matched against those top lines lately, and I think that's possibly part of the reason why uh, they they've been succeeding. Maybe I'm throwing you on the spot here, but what was their matchup like tonight? Do you have any idea? Because <laughs> I you know it's
1: funny that you should ask because I checked before I came on, and I don't always do that, but I. I've had conversations with Paul Maurice about line matching in the past, and sort of some of his philosophies into that. And so I was just a little curious about this one: if he, um, how he ran Barkov, how he ran Bennett, and 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 that. And the interesting thing is, you're exactly right. Adam Lowry did not get the hard match. Um, whether that's Maurice successfully dodging it or Bonus just not caring. Uh, because he's that confident, you know what I mean? That was not how it worked. Shifley got a, a heavy dosage of, of Barkov tonight. Um, the Nemesnikov, Perfetti, and Ehlers line got a, a heavy dosage of Verhegi. Verhe- I struggle with that, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, and Bennett and uh, and top six opposition. So from a certain lens, Winnipeg almost like failed to, quote-unquote, protect Perfetti, Nemesnikov, and Ehlers like they've often tried to do. From a different lens, Winnipeg succeeded because it didn't have to, because Niederreiter scored anyway, because the Oilers went through—not um, the entire team, but because the scored one of the goals of the season anyway. Um, like that's that's just nice, heady stuff as as a Jets fan. I'm sure it is.
0: A hundred percent. And now we gotta talk about it. Now we have to talk about it. Nikolai Ehlers has been such a fun player to watch for his entire career. And the thing with being a fun player to watch is when you're not at 100%, your fans are always like wanting more from you. And it's like, you know, it's not your fault that they're, the expectations are so high. It's a, you know, it commends how well you play most of the time. But Jets fans have been wanting more from Nikolai Ehlers for a, a good chunk of the early part of this season. And and lately, I think we've been seeing, you know, the resurgence of what we know he can do. And I, I'm not, you know, trying to fault the player in any capacity. I know the the neck thing or whatever it was. And, you know, that that became a big focal point. Never mind the sports hernia from last year and just, you know, lots of movement with line mates and all these kinds of things. All that's to say, we know who Nikolai Ehlers is. And tonight we saw a very Nikolai Ehlers-type goal. I loved... The domesticov work on the boards. I loved the Colbert kind of screw up that turned it into an even more of a highlight real goal because Nicola Elias had to do the little, you know, football thing with the little kick to the stick and all those kinds of things. And then what was it Brandon Montour or who who was no, was it Forrest like I yeah, don't know I who the was. defenseman was. Poor guy. Um you know, and maybe maybe he'll remain Nameless for the sake of his pride. Uh, cause that wasn't a great look for him. But for us, like you said, one of the goals of the year, holy cow.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I, well, what can we even say? It's a, it's a, it's a Nikolai Ehlers goal that's been a long time coming because I'm with you. This, the start to the season was poor. A guy that has led the Jets in points per minute forever was amongst, you know, the, you know, in the bottom half. That's strange. He was missing assignments. He was missing his shots. He was making, curious decisions and playing jazz without actually doing the thing that he all, I mean, that's always there, but he usually does that and, you know, produces a lot of offense. And then, so he, he makes the take of the perfetti pass. He goes behind his back. He gets his feet going. And I think the reason that the defenseman got ends up looking so bad on that play is because he has to respect so many possibilities. When Nikolai Ehlers starts to drag that puck and he, he, it's almost like a rhythm game in, in a way, where um, there are different ways he could pull that puck around the defenseman, go into his feet, go behind his back, go under the triangle, and all of those different things can happen at different speeds. I think Ehlers fired a bit of a change up on the defenseman. And so then he got a little bit spun about pucker body, pucker body, and then Ealers burned him and, and then and then finished it off from there. That's something you can only do when you're that much faster than everybody else is, and um, it's it's fun. I think. Okay, here's my here's my rant. This is not hyping the goal as much as it might be uh, might be appropriate, but I think of players who can create space and who can exploit space. Nikolai Ehlers can create space with his speed. He can exploit space as well. Probably the player who can exploit space in the middle of the ice offensively better than anybody for me is Kyle Connor. He can also create with his speed, but he's not creating that space with his physicality. Complete flip. Nino Niederreiter, we were talking about a second ago. He can create that space with his physicality. He can burrow through guys. He can burrow through coverage, get to the net front, and all of those sorts of things. And I think that Winnipeg finally has balance. They can finally beat you in a few different plays so that, you know, if, if, if they're playing a cycle, somebody can dart into space quickly. If they're in transition, um, they can use their speed to open up space. I'm I'm sort of losing the articulation of this as I go, but I think the complementary ability that Winnipeg can make space in different ways and still has the top end power to exploit it and score and do good things with the puck once they have a half second is is why the offense is is there at five on five.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting and insightful point because I think when a team is doing well sometimes it can be so hard to sort of pinpoint the areas and the things that they're actually doing well and I know for a lot of you know people like myself you know you start watching games a little bit more specifically because you're like hey what are they actually doing like what are tangible things that I can pull from this that is just not just scoring goals and blocking shots and I think that's a really really good example is, is that balance of those two things that are extremely kind of catch-22 important for each other in order to actually succeed and and maintain and keep that possession and dominate like that so I think that's a really interesting point in kind of looking at different players I feel like that's like a good take-home exercise homework for everyone in the chat like ta- look at those different players and like who does what and who does both and how that complements itself on a line um I think I've kind of, you know, I, I've been a little bit greedy with Marat's time tonight. We're, we're rolling up on 30 minutes on the show here. Um, so I'm going to open up the chat to any quick questions here that we can use to wrap up the show. So while I give you guys a chance to, to type any of those out, if anyone has any questions for Marat, um, I just want to talk about the vibes a little bit for a second um, because they're really good right now. I was so fired up this morning, man. I've already comes out in a full contact jersey. Everyone seems excited to be here. And Rick Bonus is back with the team after a month long absence. You know, we don't, um, you know, we we are so, so pleased that he's able to be back, not just because the individual um, that we really like is back with the team, but because it means the circumstances that brought him away from the team in the first place are are looking up, which is what we all wanted um, and we're all hoping for immediately in the first place. What do you think this does for the team, Murat, to have him back here and win this game like that tonight?
1: Yeah, I. There was no world in which Winnipeg wasn't going all heart, all hustle, uh, like tonight. There, there would be an inspirational factor to having him back for sure, and a like, like look, dad, look what we can do. Almost sort of, sort of feeling I imagine that would go into it too. Um, help me, you know. I haven't had too many behind the scenes dealings with Rick Bonus, but I've had a couple that genuinely shine a positive light on like he is everything as far as i can tell in my limited dealings everything that everybody says he is a genuine person who cares about people who figures out ways to show people that he cares and um i think that that's an Im- it's an important piece of his 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 character i think um and from talking to people who know him judy is at the at the absolute center of that as well so that she would be doing better to the point where uh, he feels comfortable Returning and giving all of himself to the Jets—that's just tremendous news. It's just—it's—it's uh, it's wonderful. Um, if I've interpreted sort of what he said today in that in that video, uh, sorry, in that video that went around, that was um, from the scrum in Florida. Uh, she's been on a medication for about five weeks. They're getting the results they want. He still prefers that somebody's with her, I, you know, at all times. So they've been in Florida together. Now she's going to fly on the team plane a couple of times, which is unusual, Um, get down to Winnipeg, spend another couple of weeks in Winnipeg. And then when Winnipeg hits that road trip in December and goes to Denver, uh, she's going to stop off there. And they also have a son, Richard, who works or does he work or does his wife work for the avalanche? I just got twisted up, but she'll have family there as well. The idea that she's gotten on it, getting on airplanes, and that he's feeling comfortable to to coach again, it just—I mean—that's it. Puts this whole season in the Winnipeg Jets land has been a story in remembering what matters, I think, and family and dear friendships and all of those sorts of of things, and those things. I mean. And that Winnipeg's gone through some tough stuff, but I think that it's responded to it the right way. Um, taking the time, doing the thing, offering the resources, whatever else that it's been. Um, and I think that's part of In addition to just playing well, I think that's part of why vibes are good. I think that's part of why the sentiment around the team is like they're getting results the right way on the ice. They can sincerely say like Scott Arneal, who's done a, a great job can tell us about the Neil Pionk, Alex Iofalo, uh, Sandberg, Tony Nato friendship situation with Adam Johnson's death, that this is an organization that never shorts. you, You never have to worry about them doing anything but the first class option when it comes to these bigger things. I think that that's been, I mean, it's obviously a horrible tragedy. And obviously you don't wish a seizure upon Judy Bonus and all those sorts of things, but accepting that those things have happened the responses to them, I think, have brought a lot of people together in Jets land, uh, and uh, I think it's credit to them for how they responded.
0: 100%. That's, that's exactly it. It's all those those awful things. You can't control what happens, but you control the response, and, and you're definitely right that I think there's been some positivity around the team and how there's, the reception to these you know, events and things happening, um, as unfortunate as they are. So I think it all leads to this team feeling, you know, United in a certain capacity and, and, you know, working towards that common goal that we all, you know, want them to. So definitely some, some positivity going into the next stretch, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, in the U S is always kind of a benchmark for how a team is doing a little temperature check, just like a Turkey. That was really bad. I, you know what I,
1: I can't, um, well, listen, I'm sure there was a metaphor in there, but I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I want to say one other one other uh, temperature check is you, when Axel Jonson Fiabi got called up last week, and you know he did his scrum. Um, who was kind of over his shoulder, just off camera, making jokes and like encouraging him along? It was Mark Shifley. When the scrum ended, Shifley was cracking him up and making jokes with David Gustafson in the corner of the Jets room for the rest of whoever spoke next. And if you want like a little temperature reading, when you have the supposedly over serious Shifley just like being a big goofball with the, some of the younger players. I mean, Jonson you know, Fiabi older, but like with David Gustafson as well. Like that's a pretty positive sign for the vibes. Vibes, yeah,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, just to quickly wrap things up, let's be super quick. I'll rapid-fire a couple questions at you because we have a couple in the chat. For those of you who are live here, thank you so much for sending in all these questions. I have to scroll up a little bit to get to a couple of these. Um, first things first, do you have any wacky lineup ideas you'd like to see tried? Um, just out of curiosity, when, when Velarde comes back, even if it's not the the typical rollout. Any, just, just a little fun one. Any fun lines?
1: Uh, oh gosh. Um, the first one that comes to mind that I haven't thought it through at all is Profetti shifley Velardi is your top line. I don't know what else happens after that because that's just what came out.
0: But it doesn't matter. They win. They, they're, they're too good. <laughs> so who cares? No, I like that. I feel like there could be some, some fun there. I, um, the season started, this is a random tangent. I went, I had, I had to go on a school trip to Thailand for like eight days or something randomly in October. It was a really great time, but I missed the first two seasons of the Jets, um, the Jets season. Uh, and then I came back, I had like an 8 p.m. flight landing, and I was like, I have to watch the Pierre-Luc Dubois game, because it was the game against L.A., and that was a game where Gable already got hurt, so I literally know nothing about this player. Like, I feel like I'm I'm throwing him in all these line combos, and I'm like, I've never watched him play a game in a Jets uniform. Never. So, I, I would love to see that be tried, but please, nobody take my word for it either. Um, someone's asking Murat if you've heard anything about a possible Nino extension. So, this is your, uh, you know perhaps your insider moment, or even if you haven't heard anything, um, thoughts on uh, Nino Niederriter extension?
1: I think it's sensible. I think that it's something that could well happen. And let me tell you that at least based on what I understand, all the stuff you hear about Nino Niederreiter loving it in Winnipeg and feeling well-treated by the Jets organization, um, I've heard sort of secondarily that that's, Thoroughly true with some good examples as well. I think he's one of those guys that's genuinely happy and, and feels like he's a great fit here. Um, and I also think that once upon a time, like there have been some contractual shenanigans like in, in his past where he didn't get the offers he was looking for from certain teams. I think if Winnipeg steps up and, you know, offers the two or three year deal of a similar number to what he's got now. I think that that would keep him.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and I think it'd be it'd be fun. Um, someone in the chat mentioned earlier, I don't remember what it was, but someone said four year, five million. Um, just out of curiosity, any any thoughts slash hopes for from the Jets' perspective, what you would think that contract could, should, and maybe would look like?
1: I mean, for me, I'm a little nervous on Nito Niederreiter term, and it's because he's such a bulldog of a player. I think of what makes him effective that it effort and explosiveness is such an important part of that it's not protect the puck on the outside and use your sublime vision to put pucks on a string into the middle of the ice it's plow through players get to the front of the net win the battle and for me that's a lot of explosive uh explosiveness i think it requires a certain amount of youthful muscle and uh and like I don't want Nito Niederreiter, if I were the Winnipeg Jets, I wouldn't want him to be one of those guys that you're paying until he's 34, 35, 36, because I am honestly a little bit nervous about the mileage on him, the way that he plays.
0: Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point, and I think, yeah, those shorter contracts could could look okay for him and for the Jets for the, for the need there. Um, People are asking about trade line acquisitions, uh, trade line, trade deadline acquisitions. I know it's it's early, but never too early when you're one of the best in the West to start talking about that. Any names that immediately jump to mind when you think of the trade deadline coming up?
1: I keep doing this and it's not fair. Anytime I get asked this question, I say Dustin Bufflin about eight years ago.
0: Stop. Like- no. No. <laughs>
1: Don't. Yeah, I was accused uh, by Nick Lyndham of choosing emotional violence by by saying that, and maybe you feel the same way. A little. I'm okay. I'm of two minds here. One is that if the Winnipeg Jets are defending as well as they are team wise, and credit the forwards for this as well, the degree to which they're collapsing and actually covering down low and protecting the middle of the ice, credit the defensemen for protecting between the dots if Winnipeg is sincerely having these strong expected goals numbers, if they're sincerely one of the teams that's the hardest to generate scoring chances against after extended zone time, they're not broken. They're not desperate in the way that we might expect them to be based on the amount of vitriol that a Nate Schmidt gets online, for example. Um, however, if there is a missing piece or a place you would look on paper that, uh, that you would say you if you improve this, you improve the jets. I say you're looking at somebody who's big, who's physical, and who can genuinely defend, so not just hits but like actually protects the middle of the ice and who can jump into the play offensively. And I don't know who that unicorn is just yet, which is why I say Dustin Bufflin, but I think that the only way that you're tr- truly improving the Jets is you're trading in some of those 7s, 8s and 9s on defense for a, for a king or a face card. Like that's an, an analogy I've used a few times and and I think that I'd go back to it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's that's super fair. And I feel like some of us may have, you know, a little bit of research to do over the next couple, you know, weeks and, and trying to watch some out of market games and see maybe if there's one of those Diamond in the Rough and some other team, um, to see if maybe there's a there's a fit that's kind of an off the board pick. Um last thing um that I wanted to take a look at. Um People are asking about your childhood uh, team, but I think we're going to not open that uh, can of worms. Uh, uh, fr- that seems like it could warrant a whole other episode. Um, but just generally speaking, um, Brady Brady in the chat asks, Vili Hanala?" Question mark? That's my other question. Maybe that's how we'll end it off, because what's a Winnipeg Jets show that Alyssa is running without talking about Vili Hanala? Things are going pretty good right now. Um, what happens in a couple weeks when that player is ready to play again?
1: Well, it's funny. I was, even before you named him and or Brady named him, I thought to myself, what a kinder thing I could have said was when you asked me that question, I could have said Billy Hanala. I could have said a third pairing defenseman who moves the puck well, who can jump into the play who is great at finding seams from the point to wingers at the bottom of the circles, who has chemistry with existing jets, wingers, Cole Perfetti being one of them um, who can help the power play, who basically does everything that Nate Schmidt does, but hasn't proven it over an extended period of time at the NHL level because various reasons. Um, And for me, I'm a little concerned about the injury and about how fast he gets up to speed and becomes the, the, great version of him we saw at camp but i think that this year more than any i have ever experienced my sense from the jets organization was that ville hanala won some fans for the free hanala movement i i don't know that nate schmidt was about to be waived i don't necessarily think that was the way they were going to go out of it but i and i keep mentioning that because i've seen other people suggest it, and i i'm not sure about that one But I think that Winnipeg was getting ready to do what it needed to do roster-wise to keep him. Um, And I think that the way that he was playing, especially at the end of preseason, as those rosters ramped up, such quality that uh, it's such a shame he got hurt the way that he did. So if he can step up and be that guy with all that pressure, and that's the job, it's the NHL. um, But there have been moments where he's come back after long reprieves and he's kind of been nervous and tentative and things like that um so my thought on Ville Hanala is give him a shot get him practicing give him a job on the third pair and then be prepared for chaos because it's not a guarantee he's going to be as good as uh, as he was for those you know two or three glorious weeks at camp
0: mhm yeah no and what a upsetting end that those came to but i agree with you and and, and looking at how that that third pairing is looking right now doesn't look like a terrible recipe for success to to throw him into that situation, but uh, only time will tell. So I think that wraps up our time for today. I've been keeping you all here, but it's been a lot of fun. This has been a great show. I love talking about the Jets when they are doing super well. love diving a little bit into why that is. And no one better to do it with than Murat Atesh from The Athletic. So Murat, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's always a pleasure to have you on for everyone who's here live in the chat right now, make sure you like this stream and subscribe on your way out. For those of you listening back tomorrow or whenever you listen to the shows, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you on Sunday. I believe the Jets are head to Nashville. They play um, an evening game to a certain capacity, probably a 7 p.m. start, something like that on Sunday. So got a day off tomorrow and then back at it again. Hopefully looking to, to add another one to the tally. and It's always fun to beat those Central Division rivals. So have a good night, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. BANG! Yeah.